0: Hey everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of PA Insights with NCCPA. I'm your host, Jeff Boswell, and we've got a great episode for you today. First, we talk with Alishka Mierwald, a certified PA and life coach who offers up some tips on how to avoid burnout. Then director of research, Andre Kozakowski and research analyst Colette Jeffrey share highlights from the newest report on certified PA demographics and practice, as well as brand new data on PA practice during the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll also hear from Erica Banks, our Senior Director of Communications, who joins us again to discuss some of the ways we promote the work of certified PAs and why that's so important to NCCPA. Finally, to wrap up the show, we'll share some good news about certified PA Bill Prentiss and his upcoming patient outreach efforts in Africa. Let's get started. During the COVID-19 pandemic, healthcare providers have been on the front lines of treating a virus that shows obvious physical symptoms and then use medications and machines to help those patients have the best possible outcome. But there's another condition afflicting those healthcare providers themselves that can't always be seen as easily until it gets to a critical level, and that is burnout. This is not a new concept by any means for healthcare providers, for PAs or for PA students for that matter, as it seems every PA conference happening in the past year has at least one session on the topic of burnout. So today on PA Insights with NCCPA, we have a special guest to talk about burnout and how to address it. Alishka Mirvald is a certified PA from Utah and a life coach who specializes in burnout among healthcare providers. Thanks for joining us today and welcome, Alishka. Nice to be here. Well, before we get into the specifics about burnout, could you tell us a little about your journey and how you came to be so passionate about this topic?
1: I have been a, a physician assistant for about 30 years and um, enjoy the career tremendously because it gives us such a great opportunity to con- to really connect with patients on a different level. But I also experienced burnout few, a couple times through my career, the first time was because of external causes that were happening in my life. I was getting divorced, I had my heart broken, no financial issues. Basically my life was kind of a mess. And that was starting to affect my work. But once I got the external causes figured out, then uh, I, I returned to being pretty fulfilled and satisfied in my job again. But the second time it happened, it was the last few years of my career. And I just could not pull out of it. I was dissatisfied. I was unhappy. I was lashing out at people. I was not happy at home. Uh, I was bringing my work home and I was always talking about it and upset about it. I was upset about all the new computer stuff. We had to learn all the new programs and uh, I felt like I was failing patients because I didn't have enough time for them. And it just uh, kind of went worse and worse. And I spiraled down to starting to have physical ailments. You know, I was suddenly having all these different Backaches aches and headaches and I couldn't sleep. And, uh, and then I, uh, what, what really brought it to a point was when I started having some visual changes like floaters and <laughs> things that really um, when you have it checked, you know, they just say, well, it could be stress. I sort of realized, Hey, this is too much. I need to take care of myself. And I, it, I quit my job. So basically, the burnout that I was experiencing cost me my career. I retired prematurely and and thought that by quitting, I would sort of um, be all better and back to normal. But actually, I realized that I physically, emotionally and mentally, I got in a habit of uh, not being very happy, you know, and, and I started looking for ways to remedy that. And I found it in strategic coaching. And uh, I did have a coach um, who helped me a lot. And uh, I was so excited about it that I studied it. And because healthcare providers are very close to my heart uh, and I know what they are going through, I decided to focus on healthcare providers to help them relieve stress and relieve burnout and find satisfaction and fulfillment in their career again.
0: Well, that's really interesting. And and I can see absolutely how uh, you would come to really hold this kind of topic on burnout really close to your heart and then and then want to spread uh, the the way that maybe people can overcome it uh, in any way possible. And you said a couple words there. Uh, that sometimes people get confused, I think, when they use them. They'll say stress when they mean burnout. Uh, Maybe they say burnout when they mean stress. So can you explain the relationship between burnout and stress and maybe if there are differences there or how do those two words kind of interact with each other?
1: Well, stress happens to us every day in some form or shape. You know, we can't really avoid it. But when it's not managed properly and when it goes on for a long time, that's when it turns into burnout. The ICD-11 code says long-term stress that has not been successfully managed. So that's the official burnout definition. And I think that describes it perfectly.
0: Well, um, you know, you already talked about some of this in your own case, but and I, so I think you're kind of a, a perfect textbook case in many in many ways for burnout. But uh, what are some of the causes of burnout that people might be experiencing?
1: Well, you know, it's the everyday stress that starts getting to us. It's the long hours. It's the charting and coding and being behind and not having the outcomes we expect with patients. Uh, having sad outcomes, often like through COVID, I think that was just tremendous burden on uh, all the providers that were dealing with it. You know, seeing patients die on a daily basis in a massive uh, numbers, and how do you, how do you not take it home? How do you um, not internalize it? Um, so burnout uh, it is very real. It definitely is. So much more evident now than it was prior to COVID because so many healthcare providers now want to leave burnout.
0: Are there any studies out there or uh, percentages or statistics on, on burnout as uh, as it relates maybe to the pandemic and, and what we've seen in that landscape?
1: Yes. So before COVID, uh, well, there was a study done in January And they surveilled uh, 15,000 physicians and asked them whether they were suffering from burnout. And 42% said yes. Uh, And the number increased now to 55%. Wow.
0: You you would think 42 is a big enough number and then it jumped to 55. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Sometimes we're... Uh, experiencing burnout, but we might not be aware that we are. Are there any symptoms or or red flags or signs that people should be watching out for uh, and be aware of uh, before it gets to a critical point?
1: Yes. If you are normally an easygoing person who doesn't react strongly Uh, to a stimulus, then, uh, and if that suddenly changes, then I would definitely start looking at kind of what's going on with with me. Uh, There could be physical changes, all kinds of ailments, um, whether it's headaches or back pain or visual changes that are basically unexplainable, that basically the doctor tells you, well, you are probably under a lot of stress. Um, sometimes we get into burnout and not realize it because we have this incredible goal in our mind. For instance, a PA wants to pay off uh, the student loans and uh, gets two jobs, You know, works really hard. It's all revved up to do it, feels good about it. But suddenly the body starts breaking down. You start having one cold after another, Uh, Again, these different aches and pains in the body, Uh, you start lashing out or not being able to sleep. Those are kind of the symptoms that red flags that should tell you, hey, I better look at what's going on with me. You know, the body might be trying to tell me that I'm working too much, I'm not getting enough rest, that I need to take care of myself. And so mentally, you may not feel it, but the body says, hey, stop, stop and look, you know.
0: It's amazing when you stop and listen, sometimes the body is telling Mm -hmm. you things that maybe you're not consciously thinking about. Uh, you know, are there any tips or tools that you can point us to that, uh, for ways that PAs and PA students for that matter, uh, can avoid burnout or, or if they're already in a burnout situation, relieve burnout?
1: Well, if you are not in it yet, uh, then it's easier to do because you are not exhausted yet. So you can implement the changes. So first of all, just look at your life. You know, is it balanced? Is there a time for me every day? Uh, I know, especially with students, that's kind of impossible. and The mindset is, I just have to get through it, and then I'm going to take care of myself. But that's really not... You, uh, you, Very useful because things can just escalate to get worse and worse. So, so stopping and saying, what can I implement that would work for me in the 24 hours that I have, you know, can I spend five, 10 minutes doing something for myself? Without thinking about studies, without thinking about my job, without thinking about patients, something just for myself, something that would kind of get me out of the state that I am in, something where I can relax um, and feel good about it. So you kind of have to find what works for you, whether it's uh, going for a walk, whether it's taking... If, if out, going outside in the hospital is too far, you know, walking up and down the stairs, just so you change the body also uh, and the circulation and it, it, it resets your mind to a uh, much better state and you can deal with problems much easier. Uh, another thing would be to park the car, you know, further away from the hospital or clinic, walking around and looking actually, enjoying the sun, enjoying the clouds, whatever the weather is, paying attention to people uh, that are outside and enjoying it, just taking a moment uh, to regroup, recenter yourself. It's it's basically just kind of stopping and saying, hey, I'm going to take care of myself. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be 10 minutes. It could be just a moment sometimes during the day, where you even look outside the window and say, "My gosh, you know those trees are blooming and flowers are blooming and everything is pretty." And and you just refocus, and and that puts you in a different state for the rest of the day. So doing that several times a day is a good idea, rather than having these big goals, which will not work if you are in a burnout. Because you are already so emotionally tired, mentally tired, physically exhausted, telling yourself, I'm going to exercise 20 minutes a forget it. You're not going to do it. You know, you, you may do it the first week, but it's not going to last because you are too tired to really sustain it. And that's where coaching comes handy because it's sort of like reminding you to do the stops, to, to really... Stop your mind from going where it shouldn't be going and changing your mindset and and, uh, your body, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you say the word coaching and that brings to mind training, uh, which Mm -hmm. we all know uh, high level athletes don't just show up for the big game or the big meet uh, the day of and perform at their best. They've trained uh, for a long time before they ever got to that point. And it's the same way with the brain. Sometimes we need that day-to-day training uh, and, and you have to push through that. And I and I imagine uh, someone in your position can really be a good anchor point to help people uh, remember that training anyway, or have maybe an accountability uh, side of things, someone to reach out to uh, so that they can remember that, hey, this is a kind of a day-to-day fight until we really can train our brain and our bodies to uh, mm-hmm. react in, in a way that is uh, that is actively uh, trying to help us be resilient against burnout and the other stresses in life
1: as they say the hardest um, muscle to train is your brain and it is true but it can be done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's fantastic. It, so do you have any other information, social media handles, email addresses, websites uh, where PAs might be able to interact with you and learn more about uh, burnout and, and, and how you can help them through uh, s- uh, these kinds of situations?
1: Yes, I have an email. It's called Again at gmail.com. You can also contact me through Facebook Messenger under Elishka Mervald. Uh, I I just created a Facebook page again it's called burnout free again, and I will start posting there some tips, Uh, and uh, I am planning to do a free workshop in July, uh, where I will be giving some tips kind of a roadmap. For several days in a row, just 20 minutes at a time to give you some ideas how to overcome burnout and uh, have satisfying and enjoyable career, you know, because that's what it's all about. I feel that uh, the stress can be managed and we should not need to leave our jobs, these beautiful careers, because we cannot manage burnout.
0: Well, Alishka, this has been so enlightening today, and I really do appreciate it. It's an important topic to talk about uh, for PAs, for all healthcare providers, as we've discussed earlier on, and really for everyone as we start to see the larger light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic, but certainly moving forward. This was not an issue that just cropped up because of the pandemic, but certainly, as we said earlier, maybe got magnified and uh, exponentially raised to a point that uh, people may really be in need, and, and, and as we talked about earlier as well, may not even understand how deeply they need to, mm-hmm. to address it. So thank you for your time and everything you're doing to both help PAs and other healthcare workers prevent burnout and also get relief from it. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. It has been really
0: fun. Fantastic. And we'll be back with more PA Insights with NCCPA in just a moment. Being the only credentialing body for PAs is who NCCPA is at its core, but out of that comes the ability to mine incredibly interesting and important information about PAs and PA practice. Combine that with the pandemic turning the world, and especially the healthcare world, on its head, and you get some fascinating results as all industries, including ours, takes a look back and tries to understand better what happened during the COVID crisis of 2020. So here to talk about the new 2020 Statistical Profile of Certified PAs and NCCPA's COVID-19 survey is our CRACK research team, Director of Research, Andre Kozakowski, and Research Analyst, Colette Jeffrey. Welcome, guys.
2: Great to be here, Jeff.
3: Thanks for having us back.
0: So glad to have you both. So I know in this report, it's the first time you used comparative data. So it compares findings from the 2016 report to the findings of the 2020 uh, statistical profile report. Why would this be important, Colette?
3: We thought that the comparative data um, was available, and I think it's it's important because it helps our readers and researchers not just understand what the PA workforce looks like today, but how it's changing and adapting to the healthcare needs of our country.
0: So I was excited also to hear that you've collected some new data points for this report as these things continue to evolve and and even get more detailed. Could you tell us a little about that?
3: Yeah, we are super proud um, to present the new data. And what we do is every year we take a look at the PA professional profile and we scour the literature to see what kind of practice information would be beneficial, not just for PAs, but for researchers who are doing some work with um, the PAs. And we have uh, added a few more questions, and and we're able to show these as part of the appendix of the Q1 report this year. Um, On the practice side, the profession has experienced a positive growth trajectory, and about a third of PAs are managing their own patient panel, which is kind of exciting news. And we also learned that PAs indicate that they see about 100 patients in those panels. We also included some information about PAs prescribing. We all know that a PA can prescribe, and about 95% of them had told us that they do prescribe and that they're writing an average of 30 prescriptions per week. Other new questions and some information that we added to the Q1 report were some practice characteristics about how PAs feel about their jobs. Uh, It was encouraging to learn that about three-quarters of PAs said that they are completely or mostly satisfied with their job, and in the same breath, about three-quarters of them said they have not experienced any symptoms of burnout.
0: Well, that is interesting uh, as we look at the 2020 statistical profile. But uh, like I said, when we started, there was a COVID-19 survey sent out last year as well. So, Andre, were there any findings maybe about the telemedicine uh, data or the burnout issues data that faced PAs during the pandemic? Yeah,
2: we, we certainly collected those two um, uh, subject domains. But before I go into those results, I just want to mention that um, one major difference between the certified PA report and the COVID survey study is their overall purpose and scope. So, the certified PA report aims to provide broad health workforce data, which includes demographic and practice characteristics of the entire PA profession. It is based on ongoing data collection whereby PAs can update their information anytime they log on to our website. Uh, Conversely, the COVID survey aimed to specifically assess how the PA profession was coping and adapting to the pandemic. The questions are specifically focused on the impact of the pandemic and the resilience and adaptability of the PA profession. Results from the COVID survey present a snapshot in time, so more specifically five to six months after the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. The COVID-19 report highlights the value that PAs bring to healthcare and the versatility and adaptability of the profession. One striking finding in the COVID survey was the substantial uptake of telemedicine. So the percentage of uh, PAs providing telemedicine had increased from 15% before the pandemic to over 61% during. So this translates or equates to a 316% growth. Of PAs using telemedicine during the pandemic, the vast majority said that their confidence had increased and using this technology, and 87% indicated that they would they would not be able to provide uh, care to patients or they would not be able to continue treating patients without this uh, technology. Most PAs, including those uh, using telemedicine as well as not using telemedicine, indicated that they believed it would be used more often in the future because of the pandemic. In our 2020 statistical report, we showed that just under 21% of PAs use telemedicine, so the difference between the two reports can be explained in that telemedicine participation may have peaked during the summer months of 2020 and decreased as the number of COVID-19 cases decreased over time. Similarly, for burnout, in our 2020 statistical report, the majority, or 73%, of PAs reported no symptoms of burnout. However, in our COVID survey, more than half, or more specifically 53%, said that their level of burnout had increased and this may be due to the timing of when the data uh, were collected in the COVID survey.
0: And I, and I don't think there's any surprise uh, about burnout. I mean, that uh, had to be happening um, because of just the volume uh, and the severity of what uh, healthcare workers like PAs were seeing on those front lines. Uh, as we look back at the 2020 statistical profile report, Colette, uh, were there anything that that comparison data told us about PA demographics?
3: Yes. Yeah, so um, looking at the past five years, we found that the, the percentage of female PAs and pH under the age of 40 have been increasing by about 2%. And although it doesn't sound like a large increase, it's a steady increase that we've been seeing since we started gathering this data back from 2012. And if the past five years are any indicator, the profession can expect to see more females and, and can expect the profession to stay young, which is still it's still a pretty young profession.
0: And what about practice setting and specialties? Is there anything we can expect to see uh, in the reports as far as where certified PAs are practicing?
3: Yes, the certified PAs continue to move more into non-primary care specialties. In 2016, the specialty with the highest percentage was family medicine general practice, and in 2020, it was surgical subspecialties. Primary care continues to decrease and has experienced about a 3% decrease over the past five years. In regards to the practice setting, um, the practice setting and the specialty kind of goes hand in hand. So it, it, we expect to see a shift and larger numbers of PAs are going into non-primary care specialties. So um, mostly with specialty, a PA works and will dictate that practice setting. So if somebody is working in surgery or emergency medicine, of course, this is gonna take place more often than not in a hospital setting. So it's natural to see the shift in the practice settings when we see a shift in the specialty choice.
0: That's really interesting. And Andre, do we know if uh, the pandemic had any kind of impact on specialties at all Or when we looked at that COVID-19 survey? Yeah. So
2: in the COVID survey, we found that the PAs overall uh, were adapting rapidly and they were sort of uh, getting ready to practices in this new environment uh, through numerous means. So, for example, we found that of PAs that reported working clinically at any time during the pandemic, About 15% reported that they had changed their practice setting and 7% uh, changed their specialties. So we asked the question um, in two ways. So um, 4% specifically changed due to COVID-19. Almost all PAs that we surveyed or 93%. Uh, had agreed that a m- major advantage of the PA profession is the ability to change clinical positions to go where there is a need. Similarly, 88% indicated the profession's flexibility enables PAs to quickly adapt to changes in the job market. And the vast majority or 87% said that the PAs profession generalist medical education and certification enables to quickly change clinical positions to go where there is a need. When last 86% agreed that the PA profession is resilient and will overcome the challenges faced during this difficult time.
0: Well, those are really positive numbers that you mentioned there at the end. Uh, you know, out of the over 148,500 certified PAs out there that uh, nearly 90 percent, you said 87 percent, so nearly 90 percent uh, are saying that generalist nature, that foundation of the PAC credential uh, is important to them uh, and and really help them to be able to be kind of that Swiss army knife of the medical field in order to serve pandemic patients, as well as in non-pandemic times, uh, maybe whatever the focal point of healthcare needs uh, throughout the country are that they feel like that uh, can help them change and adapt to best serve those patients in whatever need that may be. I think that's really fascinating. Well, that was such interesting information to hear, uh, both 2020 uh, as a larger picture of the whole picture of the PA profession across the country, plus how this snapshot of the pandemic and really that crisis that impacted so many people uh, in healthcare uh, as they helped this country get over what historically will be just a a tragic time for all of us when we look back and think about it, but also how much of a a help in our, our ability to overcome such a tragic time. These healthcare workers like PAs were uh, in their roles at each and every stop along the way. Uh, So thank you so much, uh, Andre and Colette, for joining us today. I appreciate your time.
2: Thank you so much, Jeff.
3: Thank you for having us again.
0: You know, these reports paint such a descriptive picture about how PAs are serving their patients and you can see both the 2020 statistical profile of certified PA's report and the COVID-19 survey study are on our website at nccpa.net slash research. So go check them out there whenever you want it. Uh, there's so much more information in those report than we were able to talk about here on the podcast. So be sure to visit our website for those and any of the reports from the past that you may want to use and, and do your own comparative data for <laughs> for you burgeoning researchers out there. Thanks again to Colette and Andre, and we'll be back with more PA insights with NCCPA in just a moment. As certified PAs, your only interaction with NCCPA might be taking your pants or pantry, or submitting your CME requirements. And while we do develop and administer the exams, there's a lot more to NCCPA that you might not be aware of. We're not just the testing organization. We have a sincere belief in the role of certified PAs and providing the gold standard of healthcare that they have for decades. We know that you are all essential members of healthcare teams and bring your high quality of healthcare to millions of patients every week. It's this confidence that drives another mission for NCCPA, and that's to promote certified PAs and the work you do with patients, employers, hospitals, and many others. We wanted to bring back Erica Banks, our Senior Director of Communications, back on the podcast to talk a little about these efforts and why it's important. Welcome back, Erica.
4: Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me on again. Well,
0: it's great to have you. And so, again, a lot of PAs may not be aware of the fact that NCCPA is out there promoting certified PAs, but we are out there. And why is that so important to NCCPA as an organization?
4: Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. NCCPA is more than the certifying body. We like to believe that we're partners to PAs uh, throughout their career, and part of that is driving awareness of the profession and helping folks to understand who PAs are and what they do. Um, I felt like that was something that we needed to play up. You know, we find that even after the profession having been around for over 50 years, there's still, you know, a large segment, a large swath of the public that isn't aware of what PAs do. And so that's become a goal for us, you know, to not just be the certifying body, but also to to really drive interest in this profession and to help people to understand the, the many ways that PAs are contributing to uh, providing high-quality, accessible care.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, too, that so many in the public uh, don't understand uh, the facet of our organization being involved in the in the pa profession and that is always maintaining that that cutting edge of medical knowledge that i think any patient would want so and people are looking at the providers at a healthcare practice, knowing they have a PA with that C on the end, that certification is really important. And I think that's something too that we really want to magnify as well is, is how important certification is uh, to the public as our primary stakeholder. Is that right?
4: Absolutely. I, I think there's a large swath of the public that doesn't realize that PAs recertify every 10 years. Um, they continuously are learning um, because medical knowledge changes quite often. And so it's important and imperative that you have a healthcare provider that's keeping up with their medical knowledge so that they can provide them with the best care possible. So wherever we can, we try to emphasize that point um, in our campaigns and just through any awareness activities um, on social media or otherwise, so that the public um, can know that, you know, these are important healthcare providers that are keeping up with their medical knowledge and are going to be able to deliver um, the latest in, you know, high quality care for them.
0: You know, there's certainly a lot to talk about and share when it comes to who certified PAs are and the work they do. Uh, So what are some of the ways that NCCPA has promoted certified PAs?
4: Oh, goodness. I mean, how much time do you have? Well, you've, you've done a lot um, to promote um, certified PAs in. But I think we could start with our signature campaigns. We do an annual campaign every year that focuses on, you know, a different uh, aspect of awareness, um, something that we're trying to emphasize to the public or other stakeholders about who PAs are and what they do and the care that they provide. I think that's the common denominator in all of our themes each year. But um, this year, I'm really excited. In mid-July, we'll launch our campaign uh, for 2021, and it is the Certified Partners campaign. And it's playing up the ways that PAs are partners to patients in their healthcare care. Um, so whether that be, um, in a clinic or in a hospital where patients are coming to CPAs and receive um, care from them, or projects that PA's are working on in the community to, you know, improve um, health equity in underprivileged areas, or even you know, playing up the the relationship between PA's and physicians. In that sense, they're partners as well. So we wanted to play on that um, and really, you know, show these different relationships and the different aspects of healthcare that. Um, PAs are partners to patients and partners to physicians in delivering uh, high quality care. Um, Last year, we focused largely on our PAs do that, the revamp of the website. So that was our campaign last year. And I'm so, so just, you know, over the moon excited with how that website turned out. It's a great resource for any patient or a student that's looking to learn more information about PAs and what they do. Um, we continue to look at that site and try to figure out ways that we can enhance it and make it even more robust and more of an uh, educational tool for folks. And if you'll notice on that site, you'll see you know, videos. And one of them in particular on the front page is a video called What is a Certified PA? And it features um, our PA ambassadors, which are another way that we promote the profession. So we utilize certified PAs uh, to go out and to promote the profession. They partner with us in helping us to understand, you know, topics that are um, top of mind for PAs, um, communications points that we could be emphasizing that will help further drive awareness. And so you'll see in this campaign coming up, um, in that previous campaign uh, where we've utilized the PA ambassadors, so PAs themselves, to drive these messages home. Um, one of the other things that we do is we we work with the PR firm, and they have been really instrumental in helping to get media coverage up PAs. And so where we see that there are opportunities to promote good work the PAs are doing um, or different initiatives that PAs are involved in, uh, we work with them and work with the PAs to get the stories out there. So we've been successful, we've seen um, folks on Good Morning America, we've seen folks on ABC World News Tonight, on CNN, on MSNBC, and Parents Magazine, and People Magazine. There have been a number of earned media opportunities that we've secured for PAs through the PR firm. So again, you know, just increase the public awareness of the profession. Outside of that, um, of course, you know, during PA week, we we always try to go big or go home, right? So we, um, <laughs> we do a number of... Uh, Advertise a, a, a good bit of advertising, I would say. Um, last year was really exciting. Um, we had uh, streaming ads on, you know, YouTube and uh, Sling and some other mobile platforms. And that that was really exciting. We also did uh, digital ads in five major cities across the well, five major cities plus Atlanta. Um, not that it's not a major city, but the top five cities that for um, where PA's practice um, digital billboards, and that included one in Times Square and one in Los Angeles. You know, right off the Pacific Coast Highway. And so we were really really excited and thrilled to see that. Of course, the year prior to that, we did the New York Times ad, and before that, I think it was the USA Today, and a number of other publications um, through a partnership that we did with AAPA to promote the profession. So there's just a number of things that we do in addition to our our regular activities, I call them, um, which are speaking at conferences. Um, Jeff, you know that area well. You and (laughs) our good colleague, Greg Thomas, you know, and Don... Um, our president and CEO, speaking to to students and to PA organizations and national organizations um, that have an interest in PAs. And so um, I should mention that, you know, in this COVID environment, that hasn't slowed down. That's actually increased. Um, We've been speaking to more audiences than we ever have um, in this virtual environment. And I think that's one good thing that comes from this is it increases the Um, availability for us to be able to talk to different audiences because there isn't that travel involved. Um, We can meet with many more stakeholders. And so those are just some of the things that we do. Um, Certainly, And we have initiatives like the Back to School Initiative, which is new um, this year, which seeks to promote the profession to um, younger students. So, you know, students in elementary, middle school and high school to try to get them interested in the profession and hopefully, you know, they'll pursue it um, going forward. But our thought is that by introducing the profession to them early on, that they will um, have the knowledge and information that they need in order to prepare them um, to pursue this career and for PA school and to be successful there
0: you know, it's interesting because you just said uh, that's just some of the things we do. And I was thinking about the long, lengthy (laughs) list you went through. Uh, I I think some is an understatement. It really is amazing uh, to me as someone who's part of this tremendous comms team that we have. And uh, there has been a lot more transparency about who NCCPA is, and I believe a lot more outreach efforts, a lot of great promotional activities over the years. Uh, And could you share how these efforts have been received, particularly uh, by patients. Uh, if we've received any feedback from these patients, as uh, you know, we all know how compassionate PA, PAs are and their first order of business is always the, the, the uh, health of their patients and, and bringing about the most positive outcome for any patients that they see. So have we heard anything from that constituency?
4: occasionally we do hear from patients who tell us that they're really satisfied with the level of care that they get from their PAs. You know, a few years ago, we did a patient satisfaction survey and the results were excellent. You know, um, patients who felt like they understood who PAs were, that would see them again, that were highly satisfied with the care that they received, you know, was well over, you know, 80, 90%. And so, um, when I hear those things and when I see those numbers, I'm so encouraged and it helps to, to motivate me um, to want to continue to do this work because you want more patients to know about PAs. In regards to other constituencies, you know, we hear from PAs themselves um, who have been impressed with the work that we've been doing. That's encouraging. You know, that's, you know, you you always want to hear that the work that you're doing is appreciated. And so um, when I hear from, you know, whether it be patients or, you know, PAs, um, I'm always encouraged and I'm always thrilled to to hear that. And so we'll keep, you know, fighting the good fight and doing this work and hopefully, you know, making a difference in the, the people who are aware of PAs.
0: Is there anything that that our, uh, PA certified PAs or PA students out there can expect to see from NCCPA in the future as far uh, as in regards to promoting the profession?
4: One thing I, I would share as far as upcoming activities, we've got, um, as I mentioned, you know, our signature campaign um, certified partners, which kicks off um, in mid-July, and so we're super excited about that. Um, NCCPA is launching a new website, which by the time this podcast is out, um, the site will be live. Fingers crossed, mm-hmm. um, which you know makes it um, very streamlined and very easy for PA's to navigate and get the information that they're looking for. Um, in regards to, you know, becoming certified, maintaining their certification um, and possibly pursuing a, a CAQ and also looking for um, volunteer opportunities within CCPA. Um, that's one thing that I would emphasize is that, you know, our organization is very PA centric, you know, we're led by a PA um, the exams are, you know, developed by PAs. As I mentioned earlier, our communications campaigns are advised by ambassadors. Um, you know, they're we're, they're involved in everything that we do. So we're very PA centric. Um, so that campaign is coming up. And of course, you know, we're heading into um, planning for PA week, which is always an exciting time for our team. Because you know we're always looking towards you know the big promotion that we're going to do that year. This year, I think um, folks will be really excited about what we have in the works. Um, not only on the promotional side, but also um, our student giveaway, which Jeff um, has been phenomenal in. Helping to orchestrate that over the years with the various different PA programs, which continue to grow every year. Um, And so it's not an easy um, feat to manage that. Um, But I am so, so, so excited about our student giveaway this year. Um, I think I'm more excited about this one than I have been any of the other ones that we've done. (laughs) When you find out what it is, you'll know why. Um, But just know that it is amazing and it will not disappoint.
0: Yeah, hopefully coming to the campus near you uh, uh, during PA week in October, so that'll be an interesting reaction. (laughs) And we enjoy promoting the number one job in the healthcare industry. It's fun for all of us, and I'm certainly proud and honored to do it, as is our whole team. Uh, And I wanted to thank you, Erica, for giving us some of your time today and sharing how NCCPA is getting the word out who certified PAs are and the work they do. This was important information to share, and, and NCCPA is really passionate about PAs, and this is just one way that we show it. We look forward to seeing more, and I want to remind our listeners to check out our PAs Do That website at pa'sdothat.net and to share this website with your patients, friends, and family. Just a tremendous resource for people to learn about the profession. And Erica, thanks again for your time. We'll have you back real soon.
4: All right. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Fantastic. We'll be back with more PA Insights with NCCPA in just a moment. Now we'd like to take some time to share some good news from certified PA Bill Prentice. He's traveling to Africa in July and will be riding his mountain bike over 3,000 kilometers of African dirt roads in 30 days from his native Zimbabwe to Uganda. He's doing this to create awareness and funding for Zimbabwe's most desperate and vulnerable population. He'll be riding primarily for the charity Zane USA. Zane stands for Zimbabwe, a national emergency. Bill has also received funding through the NCCPA Health Foundation's Be the Change Grant that will help him in his outreach in Zimbabwe. This grant will provide resources he needs to conduct auditory acuity testing and autoscope exams, providing hearing aids and training local medical staff. Congratulations, Bill Prentice. We can't wait to hear how your outreach project goes and wish you all the best. If you have some good news to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. So please drop us a line at pr at nccpa.net and let us know so all PAs can hear your inspiring story. Well, that wraps up this episode of PA Insights with NCCPA. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NCCPA cert on Instagram at NCCPA underscore cert and on Facebook and LinkedIn, where you'll find us under the National Commission on Certification of Physician Assistants. Also, if you like this podcast and wanna make sure that you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. We'd also appreciate you rating us and telling us how you enjoyed the show. A big thank you to our guests who joined us today and all of you for listening. I'm Jeff Boswell. This has been PA Insights with NCCPA.